Hello. Thank you for joining us today for the Harvest Time Church weekly podcast. As you listen today, we pray that you are richly blessed and that the message would guide you deeper into your walk with Jesus and help you to advance His kingdom here on earth. Have a blessed day. Thank you so much. It is so fun to be back here. Um, Lots of new faces. Uh, So I was a missionary with Don and Sarah and Becky and Noe and lots of ministry with the teens here. And I tell you what, it is a blessing to be back here. I know I'm new to some of you, but I feel like I'm part of the family still. Not that other stepchild that, you know, with the red hair. But uh, so thank y'all so much for having us in. And my kids and I have enjoyed being part of KidCon this weekend. And just to give you a fair warning, I am a children's pastor now. And so I might, you know, like weave in some of the children's ministry stuff and make y'all do some crazy things. Are y'all with me? Okay. Because, I mean, the theme is twist and turn. So we always have to throw some kind of twist in there, right? Right? All right, awesome. Well, we're going to start off in Acts 10, and all weekend long, we have been learning about a pretty cool dude. His name was Peter. Peter, That's right. And we love Peter because I see myself in Peter. Is anybody else with me? Like, I can identify with him so much. And uh, I love the little motley crew that Jesus had because each one of us can see ourselves in that that crew. But we're going to open up to Acts 10 to the story of Peter and another really cool dude that we don't know much about, and his name is Cornelius. So if we go to Acts 10, verse 1. I'm just going to read from up there because I think I have a different translation. So at Caesarea, uh, I always get mixed up on this word. I'm going to say Caesarea. There was a man, because it's all about Caesar in those days, guys. So at Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as the Italian regiment. He and all his family were devout and God-fearing. Now that's really important, okay? So mental note. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. One day at about three in the afternoon, important detail, I have yet to discover why, He had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord, he asked. And the angel answered, your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Amen. Now send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon, who is called Peter. He is staying with Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. I'm like, can you just send me like a Google pen? Like drop that pen and let me find him. But when the angel who spoke to him had gone, Cornelius called two of his servants and a devout soldier who was one of his attendants. And he told them everything that had happened and sent them to Joppa. All right, so let's go ahead and stop there. So at this time in the New Testament, it was really, really exciting. The Holy Spirit had come and Jesus had already died on the cross and he told his disciples after he rose, wait for the Holy Spirit. Wait till you get empowered before you go out. And so they followed his word. They waited and the Holy Spirit came and empowered them and they began to preach boldly about the name of Jesus and what he, the kingdom of God. And so out of all this stories that were happening in the New Testament at this time period, 
we get this little chunk of, of a story about Cornelius. And I think it was a strategic move by God to include this in here because it was a strategic plan that God had all along. Amen? Just like with any game, there's a strategy. And I don't know if you have had the blessing or the curse of playing games with the Kano and Pierce family. Raise your hand if you've had that before, okay? Well, back in the mission field in Tanzania on the long, dark nights in Kigoma, there was not much to do. And so we would all hang out at night with our candles. Oh, we had a generator most nights during those times. And we would play games. And one game I have only played one time in my life was Settlers of Catan. And we were playing, and I tell you what, I love the kind of games that you just play, right? Like, you don't have to think. I'm a really smart girl, but I don't like to think a whole lot. So they always say, work smarter, not harder. So I don't want to work hard, think hard, strategize hard, okay? So I just like the games that you just roll and play. Well, we're playing Settlers of Catan, and Becky, <laughs> dear Becky, she's doing all this stuff, and you know, I'm, I'm first time player. I was like, surely she will have mercy on me. No. She did some moves, and I'll tell you what, I started to be offended by Becky, and I had to tell her, I was like, you really hurt my feelings. And so we joke about that still, but there's a strategy to the game, all right? And so we can't get offended when someone has a strategy that we weren't aware of, all right? But God had a strategy in this game of life that Peter was in, and he had to choose to go forward with the plan that God had, Amen. If you do want to play with the Pierces and the Conos, they are a lot of fun. But just be careful. They are ruthless, okay? <laughs> I have warned you. You have been warned, okay? So all weekend long, we have learned about Peter, and we've learned about Jesus. We learned about Jesus through the eyes of Peter. But now we get this other player, and his name is Cornelius. And the Bible doesn't include a whole lot about him, but what we do see are some important things is that he was a Roman leading soldier. That means he had some authority, baby. Whatever he said probably happened. He was a centurion, so he was in charge of how many soldiers, kids? A centurion, and a century is 100 years. How many soldiers would he be in charge of? 100, I heard it, woo! All right, so he was in charge of 100 soldiers. And what is really important, now this is the strategic placement, is that he was, he was a God-fearing man and well-respected by the Jews, amen? So God didn't use just any player in the game. He used a God-fearing man who had good standing with the Gentiles and good standing with the Jews. And we're going to see how that plays out in our story today. But what I love about him is that he had very limited knowledge about how to live for God. And I see myself in Cornelius too, right? Because we, just, we do the best we can with what we know. Right? Is anybody with me? Especially when it comes to parenting. We do the best we can with what we know. And you always feel like you fall short, but the grace of God. Amen. So Cornelius did the best that he could. He gave gifts to the poor. He was there. He prayed to God. He loved God. He kept in good relationships with, people, with all kinds of people. And so we see that this is important because God responded to him because of these things. Now, he didn't earn it. He didn't earn God's attention. He didn't earn God's grace. 
But because of how he lived his life, he positioned himself for the grace of God to be poured out in abundance. Amen? So we can be like Cornelius, where we do all that we know to do, and then we rely on the grace of God to keep going further and to go deeper than we could ever go. And we position ourselves to, for the outpouring of grace in not only our lives, but in the lives of our whole family. Amen? So we can look to Cornelius and be encouraged. And I'm also encouraged about Peter. Yo, what if Peter would have showed up former Peter, right? Former, before walking on the waves. Come on, kids. We learned he walked on the waves this weekend because he trusted Jesus. And then he, uh, I don't remember what else Peter did because I'm up in the spotlight. My mind's going blank. <laughs> what else? And so then he had to trust Jesus and he even denied him how many times? Three times. Yet, Jesus asked him, Peter, do you love me? He said, I do, Lord. Three times he got restored and he came back to the Lord, not just like he was before, but full force, wholehearted abandonment to living for God. Now, if that former version of Peter would have showed up to Cornelius, because remember he sent men to bring Peter to him to explain, you got a message for me, what's going on? Peter had been like, correction, I have a message for those people, not for you. You are a Gentile, right? That is what would have happened because God had not yet opened the heart of Peter to see that God wanted all hearts, not just those of the Jews. Amen? Amen. And so Peter showed up tried and true and open-hearted. And sometimes we don't understand the experiences that we walk through. All right, we face so many challenges in our homes, in our workplaces, in our own minds and hearts, in the world, and we don't understand why we're going through those, and we might not ever know, but they're going to shape us, and they're going to prepare us to minister to people, amen? They're going to shape us and be available to be a light, to be a beacon of love for people that need to hear it. And so if former Peter would have showed up, he would have been like, I know you're a centurion and a leader, but bye, you know. But God stepped in and used all of that, just like Romans 8, 28 tells us, that he uses all things for the good of those that love him and are called by him. Amen. And we each have a calling in our lives. It's not because we have a title. It's because we have a life. Amen? We have a calling on each one of us. And I think that was one of the hardest things for me to understand when I first started out in ministry. Back in, I don't even know what year. <laughs> Sorry. I drank a nitro cold brew this morning, so I'm like, da -da 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 -da. I haven't had that kind of caffeine in a while. So anyways, when I started out, y'all, I came back from a Christian private college, not a Bible degree, okay? I got my advertising and marketing stuff. So I came back and then I was like, dude, we're going into the mission field full time. Then I had to wait a year because I was with Don and Sarah and we weren't going to Africa yet. So I was like, okay, Lord, did you really call me to be a full-time missionary? So I waited that whole year. And I'm so thankful for those periods of time when it doesn't go your way right? That that's the proofing 
that's when we're going through the fires and that God is solidifying things in our hearts where maybe we would have turned before, just like Peter would have turned his back on Cornelius. So I thank God for those hard times and those questionable times. And if we go back and we look at Peter, he was a tried and true and open-hearted man that God had been preparing. So a whole people group. You know, let me take that back. It wasn't just a people group. The Gentiles were everybody but the Jews. So it's basically the whole rest of the world could come to know God. Amen. And something that we see in Acts 10 is that Cornelius, he did a lot. All right. So y'all ever feel like that as a Christian? You're like, you're like well, I've prayed. I've done my devotional. Man. <laughs> Nobody else. Like really, like, and if you don't do it, you beat yourself up, right? Or I even prayed for someone at the gas station today. I'm like, super holy. So Cornelius, he prayed. He gave gifts to the poor repeatedly. He obeyed. And this is just in our chunk of scriptures. This isn't like for years that we see what happened. He obeyed. He believed. He opened his home. He listened to the gospel. He responded to the gospel. And even though Cornelius took these big actions, he wasn't the main player. And neither was Peter. It was God. Amen? God was the main actor behind everything that Cornelius did. And there was a reason for it. God gave Peter a dream. God gave Cornelius a vision. God sent Peter to Cornelius. And God gave his son Jesus so that we could all know true life and eternal life. And God moved to win the hearts of Cornelius and his entire household and friends to Jesus Christ. So while we're doing these good things and we're doing all that we can, it takes the pressure off of us to know we're not the main player. God is at work. Amen? You might be getting tired in your Christian walk, in your faithfulness, but don't get weary. God is at work. He's using all the things that you're doing. He's using your prayers that you mutter at work for the people that are lost beside you. He's using you when you bring coffee to that person, even if they are a believer. Okay, he's using all of your actions because he's the main player in our lives. And that can take the pressure off of us to know that we don't have to perform. Amen? We don't have to please people. We don't have to check off a list. We just show up. We do what God has called us to do. And we watch him work. Amen? So God responds to us when we position ourselves to receive from him. And all your good works will not earn you a single thing. Amen? It's not going to get you through the gates of heaven. Okay? Now you do earn rewards and blessings. But all of your good works are only going to position yourself so that the abundance of heaven and the anointing of the Holy Spirit can operate in your life and overflow. Amen? I we say amen. amen. Are y'all getting tired on me? Do we need to do the chicken dance? No? Okay, good. I didn't want to do it either. So I love this, guys, because Cornelius did 
all that he knew to do. And one of the best scriptures that we can see in James 4, 8, I mean, they're all the best, don't get me wrong. But James 4, 8 tells us that when we draw near to God, there's nothing left for him to do but to draw near to us. Because that is a promise. That is something we can stand on. Not because of, oh, good wishing, but because it's a promise from our Father God. When you draw near to me, child, I'm going to draw near to you. I'm going to move the things and get to your heart. Amen? In Jeremiah 29, 12 to 14, it tells us, Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. It's a hard thing when you feel like you're not heard. My daughter tells me that, you don't hear me. You don't understand me. And I want to tell her, I do a lot more than you think. (laughs) But it's a struggle for her. And it's a struggle for us when we feel like, God, I've been praying these prayers in my heart for years. But it tells us, he promises us that when we call upon our daddy God and we talk to him, he will listen to us. When you seek me and find me, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. Amen. God responds to our prayers and worship because we're ready to receive him. Amen. The past few weeks, we had VBS a few weeks ago at my church. And I tell you what, I know the stress of planning and all that. And I was just ready for Monday night to kick off because we go Monday to Thursday. I told my friends that were close to me in ministry, I am not doing VBS next year. And if I do, you better ask me if I heard from the Lord. So they're like, okay, (laughs) sure thing, Stacy. And so you would think after this amazing VBS where we saw God move and, you know, my kids were really upset with me because of how much time I had to spend on VBS. I'm like, listen, this is for y'all. And so afterwards, they're like, mom, that was the coolest VBS ever. You are so cool that you work and you still do cool things. I was like, yeah, thanks. It's all you, Jesus. And so I was thankful for that. But anyway, so it had been a long, amazing week at VBS. And I'm, it's Thursday night. It's the last night we got all cleaned up. I'm ready to go home. We get in my little minivan. You know, the sliding doors are worth it. We get in. I turn on the car. And it's blowing hot air in the middle of summer. We live in New Braunfels. And it's hot here in Muggy. But there is like triple digit 24-7. It is so hot, y'all. And... I was like, surely they're going to fix it because my husband, Larry, like worked on it the night before. I thought maybe he just drained it the wrong way. I mean, I know nothing about cars. And so I was like, maybe he just looked at it the wrong way and it got that bad vibe going. So I was like, okay, Lord. Well, over a week later, I'm still driving and we're going to take it to his boss uh, because they have mechanics there. And they said, come on, bring it out. We'll get it checked out. So I was like, thank you, Jesus. They're going to get it fixed. And so we're driving, it's like 45 minutes and the kids have struggled all week and I've struggled and I've tried to keep it together because, you know, we got to keep, keep it all together. And so we're driving and I'm about in tears because I am so hot, <laughs> like sweating everywhere, so hot. And you can't even have the windows down because it's too hot for that. 
and two like <laughs> crazy. And I have crazy hair, but you don't want that crazy. And so we're going and my kids start complaining. Now I know none of you kids here at harvest time ever complain, right? Am I right? Okay. So my kids are complaining, mom, it's so hot. And it just sounds like the fingernails on the board, you know, I was like, I know, I know it's hot. They're like, well, why don't you seem upset about it? I was like, I am, but I had the peace of the Lord. And so I knew it was about to come, you know? So I'm just like, thank you, Jesus. I started praying out loud. Every time my kids are complaining about the heat, thank you, Jesus, that I'm not walking. Thank you, Jesus, that I have a car with windows that can go down and gets me from point A to B. I started just thanking him. And one of my kids <clears throat> looks at me and she says, mom, why are you saying that? It's not changing anything. It's so hot. And I said, I know, but it changes me. Okay, it changes my attitude because I'm ready to scream and cry. But it positions me to receive from the Lord. Amen. So when it's hard and hot and we don't know what's going on, and I'm telling y'all, we have no way to fix our AC. Okay, so it's not like we're going to get it fixed. No, there's no end in sight right now, okay? I start praising God. And I tell my kids, when we praise our Father, He hears us. And it changes us. Amen. So that we can have the attitude of an overcomer. Amen? So that in those moments of trial, I know it's just a hot, AC, you know, hot non-working AC car. But we're going to go through trials where we need to call upon those times of God's faithfulness. And see that he was with us. Amen? So we praise his name to position us. And I don't even know what I was actually praying for. <laughs> I was just like, Lord, I just need something. And the next day, well, it was like a week later, I think. Larry calls me from work and he's like, hey. I'm like, oh no. You know, like whenever they're quiet and they're like, okay, Lord. And he's like, I just wanted to tell you. I'm like, okay. I got a raise today of $4 an hour. And like this, is, he's been there for three years and that's never been that kind of jump. I was like, do what? Lord, I was like, I wasn't even praying for that. Like, I think my praises were actually complaints. You know what I mean? To be honest, because I, I didn't pray for that. I didn't pray for that provision. I was just trying to open up my heart to a better attitude because it's hard. And so we positioned ourselves because we praised his name and we found the good in the hard times. And so I don't know how the van story is going to turn out. Keep posted. But I know that God is good. Okay. And if he wants me to drive a car without sliding doors, he's going to have to do some like parting of the sea, but we can get there. I'm just kidding. I'm not that tied to it. So God's grace poured out an abundance on Cornelius for his response to his, uh, for his effort of living a God-fearing life. Amen. Amen. Cornelius' life shows us that God hears our prayers and our complaining prayers. But really what happens is our actions you know, Cornelius had these repeated actions of doing good, praying, doing good, giving to others, doing good, praying. And it revealed what was in his heart. 
Amen. He had a heart that was open to God. And he did all that he knew to do. But what's even cooler is that God had more. Amen. He thought he was serving God the way he should. But God said, wait, there's more. And I can identify myself in that. Anybody else here? You've been doing what you know to do. Going to church. Doing the right things. Praying for others. And God says, wait, (laughs) there's more. I want all of your heart. I want you. You've been standing here positioning yourself, but I want all of you, not just your actions. And your actions have shown me your heart and the trajectory of your heart, and that matters to God. We might not think all these things I've been doing, does it really matter, God? It's like my kids, I've cleaned my room 10 million times. I'm like, but that doesn't count today, right? Do this, does this even matter? But God says it matters because I see your heart. And I want all of it. Amen. He asked for a wholehearted commitment to him and to be open to him. And so we learn from this that Jesus is for everyone. That's our big point today. Jesus is for everyone. But what's the coolest thing when we go back to the strategy of the game? And this is the struggle part because you know how much I hate strategy. God strategically chose Cornelius because he wants the heart of all his children, all right? He strategically chose Cornelius, because like we said, he was in good standing with the Gentiles and the, right? So he had good relationships with both sides. And whenever he opened up his heart to God and gave his life to God and his entire household came, then the Jews that respected him saw, hey, This is for everybody. It's not just for people like me. Amen? That the gospel is for everyone. So God strategically chose Cornelius. And uh, I don't know if we have any kids in here that play sports or activities, jiu-jitsu and dance and art. Well, my kids like to do a lot of things because they're like their mama. And so we do a lot. But I love to see how God uses our activities for his kingdom. All right, because we don't just show up, hey, I'm at baseball, you know, but now I see families, several families in my church because of baseball. And it wasn't just because my kid was on the team, but it's because I strategically positioned myself to love them, to talk to people, to invite them in. And now they're plugged in and living the will of God for their lives. Amen. You and your family are strategic players. All right, that is your word. You and your family are strategic players with an outpost and for the kingdom of God to take territory. And we're not gonna do that by pointing fingers and saying, you're different than me. We're gonna do that by loving others with the love of God, amen? We're gonna do that when we open up our lives to others. And I find myself, especially in those hard times, like with the van, sharing stories with my kids and, and at my church and children's ministry. And they're like, ooh, tell us another story. Tell us another story. You got to write these down. I was like, I probably should because like I forget so much. But I love it when you start talking about how God has shown up, like he reminds you, amen? And it's so sweet. So I find myself when we were in that hot van, it reminded me of driving a dollar dollar or riding in a dollar dollar one of the African buses 
And, you know, when they say it's like an eight-passenger van, what they really mean is like 30 passengers standing, holding things. And what they really mean is a 30-passenger van with room for 20 more and no deodorant. And so you're riding, no AC, no deodorant. And so it's like whenever I was getting wafted with all that hot air, it, just, it brought me back to Africa. And I was able to share with my kids all the joys of riding the Dala Dala with all the smells of Africa. And it was so cool. And they're like, tell us more. <laughs> share your stories with your kids. Invite them in. Let them be a part of your story. Amen? Share your stories with those that you work with. Your stories are important. So that's what we learn from here is that Cornelius positioned himself. So we position ourselves. And next we're like Peter, where we share what we have seen, what we have heard, what we have experienced, what we have seen God show up and do with his faithfulness year after year, or maybe just week after week for some Share your stories because they matter. That is what you have to share. This is a book full of stories and experiences inspired by the Holy Spirit. Amen. And God is not partial. We learned that. He is not partial to anybody. Jesus is for everyone. And thank God the Holy Spirit is for everyone. And he comes and he puts salt on your stories and he adds flavor and he adds anointing. And so take the pressure off of yourself to get people saved, to get them in church, all right? Share your story. Remember, God is the main player. So it doesn't matter if you're like, oh man, yeah, I got 10 people saved this week. No, that's not your job. That's the Holy Spirit's job. Your job is to love. Your job is to share your story. Many, many, many years ago, uh, my friends here cheering care, hi. Their dad was encouraging me, Phil Strickland. He was encouraging me because I was going to go and speak for one of the first times. And he told me, Stacy, that audience, they need bread. They need the bread of life. I said, okay, let's get cooking. He's like, no, 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 no. You're going to go and you're going to give the bread. But in the back end of that, somebody already had to plant the seeds, harvest, mill the flour, bake the bread, and then put it on the plate. God knew all those things. God is at work, and we just need to give the bread of life to people and trust him for the outcome. Amen? So your experiences matter, and your stories all come together. And when I started out in the mission field, I didn't know how to do a bunch of nothing. And I'll let you know, I still don't know, but that's okay. When I started out, all I knew to do was like to hug people. Everybody give yourself a big hug. Mm, yep. Wiggle, wiggle, wiggle. I knew how to hug people. I knew how to show up and uh, give some food at feeding programs. I knew how to love others. And I found out that that was enough. I didn't have to be a medical doctor to go and change the world. I just had to love my world. And that's what God tells us, that we need to love our world. We don't need to come up with the plan and the strategy because he's the strategist. We just need to love others. Isaiah 61, one through three. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. Amen. If we look 
in the amplified version, it says, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me and commissioned. Okay, that's sent out with a purpose. Commissioned me to bring good news to the humble and afflicted. He has sent me to bind up the wounds of the brokenhearted, to proclaim release from confinement and condemnation. Release from condemnation to the physical and spiritual captives and freedom to prisoners. Now he's not partial with his anointing. Amen. He is not partial with Jesus. He's not partial with his anointing. And if he has anointed people in the Bible, then I know he's anointed me and he's anointed you to go, to be sent and commissioned and anointed. We are his ambassadors. Amen. That has been one of the messages that has stuck with me because I've always felt underqualified or disqualified for ministry. Whenever we weren't missionaries anymore in 2015 or 16 is when we stopped being missionaries and I thought it was done. I didn't ever know if I would do ministry again. But you know what? Ministry isn't standing here. Ministry isn't flying to Africa. Those are all amazing things. But ministry is being anointed and commissioned to reach your world, to set freedom to the condemned, to people that feel the weight of condemnation. Just like the, saying, the song we sang, come out of the darkness just as you are and to the fullness of God's love. Amen? Just as you are into the fullness of God's love. So we are anointed and sent, commissioned as his ambassadors. The last thing that we need to do is to love, I kind of mentioned this, is to love others. Man, I don't know if y'all have a challenge loving others, <laughs> like really loving people. It's not easy, is it? Sometimes it's not easy loving your family, especially when they disappoint you or just do, do things you don't expect them to do, right? Especially adult children, you expect them. I've raised y'all. I, I don't have adult children. I just have nine and under. So I don't even know what I'm talking about, okay? But we get disappointed. Our expectations don't get met. And it is hard to love people. But God calls us to love. Amen? And he used Peter, who didn't like Gentiles, because he had worked all his life. The Jews had worked so hard all their life to memorize the Torah, to do this, to do that, to do all the laws all, every day, all day long, through the night, through everything. And they wanted to per, put that burden of following the laws onto the new believers. And they wanted to demand them to be like me. They wanted to, hey, you can't have all of this Jesus. You, I mean, we've been working really hard really hard. But Jesus said that doesn't even matter because in the parable of the story where the guy hired the workers in the vineyard and one got hired in the morning, some got hired in the morning, some at midday, some right at the last hour, they all got paid the same because it doesn't matter. If you come to Jesus, that's what matters. And so Peter and the Jews, they had to have a revelation of God that, hey, we need to love these new believers, because God is not partial. Amen. And I am so thankful for the fruit of the Spirit. 
the Holy Spirit growing the good things in our lives. Because if it wasn't for gentleness, then we would all be demanding people to meet us where we are. Amen? But gentleness comes in and tells us, open your arms. How can I change so that other people can come to know Jesus? What do I need to do differently so that I can have open arms and an open heart? Amen? There's a, a project that we do. It's called the Engagement Project back at our church. It's a, an amazing video class. And Dr. Rosaria, y'all can probably read about her, but she was one lost lady. And she had a lot of political sway. And there is this man, she wanted to go out and prove that Christians hated people like her. Okay, so she took the Bible, she took it and she was trying to prove all the ways that Christians hated people just like her. And in the meantime, she meets a guy named Ken. And him and his wife told her, hey, okay, keep studying the Bible. But why don't you come over for dinner too? And so they had her in, her home, in their home for meals. And I'm not talking about just one or two meals, y'all. Because that's easy to do, right? It's easy to open up your home. Oh, yeah, come on in. But then it gets a time where you're like, all right, this is a little uncomfortable, Lord. They had her for over 500 meals. Yeah, I don't even know how many years that might have taken. Over 500 meals where they talked to her in love and no condemnation and with gentleness, where they were open hands and open heart to her. And now finally after 500, uh, 500 years, <laughs> 500 meals, it probably felt like that. She opened up her heart to the Lord and turned from darkness into the light and shares her story with countless colleges. It's incredible what happens when we love people. So I don't know how you see yourself today. Maybe you see yourself like Peter, where you're just like, eh, I don't know about all this loving others, or I don't know if I can be used by God. Or maybe you're at Cornelius where I've done all that I know how to do, God, but I have seen you and I just wanna give you all of my heart. Father, we come to you this morning and we thank you for Peter and Cornelius. We thank you how out of all the stories we've heard, we heard the story of these two guys and how strategic it was for the kingdom of God. We love you, God, and we open up our hearts to you. Holy Spirit, we just release you right now, not to condemn people, but to convict people, to convict our own hearts. Draw us to the Father and show us where we're at. Thank you, Father. I think there's some of us here that have never accepted our strategic position to reach others. And it might be a calling, it might just be your life. If that's you and you wanna accept that strategic calling upon your life for the kingdom of God and to be one of the players that God is arranging everything, just raise your hand. You know that God wants to use you 
for your family, to use you for your work, for your friends. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. I just pray over these people, over myself. Lord, I thank you that we don't need to look at our own qualifications, that we are your ambassadors. God, I thank you that we are backed up by the authority of heaven. So I pray whenever we get discouraged or the enemy tries to take us out, that we will stand strong on you. Lord, I just pray a special anointing on the ones that raised their hands, that you would help them to love, to truly love, to have open hearts and open, open arms to others, and that you would activate their giftings. I thank you that your giftings are in people and we just pray a release and the anointing and giftings in their lives and that they wouldn't go alone, but God, that they would bring their families. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. And maybe you're like Cornelius where I'm doing all that I know to do, but I know that God doesn't have my whole heart. And maybe that's praying for salvation for the first time or committing your life to God completely. If that's you, just raise your hand too. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, we worship you this morning. I thank you for what you're doing in the hearts of all people here. Lord, and how you're using us to reach our world. Lord, break our hearts with compassion, not just for the lost, but for those people that surround us day by day, that we would have compassion for them and that you would use us strategically in the lives of others. Thank you, Father, for your anointing that we are anointed and sent out in your mighty name. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you've been encouraged and empowered. If you'd like to know more about our family, follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash HTC Bay City or find us on the web at harvesttimebaycity.com.